Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology, because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. Last night, um, the Lord's been speaking to me about this for a month, uh, literally to the day, for a month. Um, and I just got it down, all down on paper last night and this morning. And so I'm, I'm excited, but I, I, wanna, I wanna start here with it. Um, my friend, uh, Ben Dixon, who leads um, Ignite Global Ministries, sent a, an email, and this, is all, this will all tie together, so uh, follow me here. But he sent an email a month ago, and I want to read it to you because it really spoke to me, and it was certainly prophetic. It said, over the last month, the Lord gave me a word for my church and the church as well. It's time to rebuild. The last seven months have caused far too many Christians to divide over issues. Yet in the midst of that, I hear the Spirit call us towards unity about what matters the most, His kingdom purposes. The word rebuild resonates with me, especially as I consider what happens on big serve projects when I work with a number of people. When you're building a house with a team of 15 to 20 people, you quickly realize how unity, organization, and focus are necessary in order to get uh, the house built. Everyone plays a part in the building process in order to accomplish an overall goal that is bigger than any one person and any one job. The need, we need this mindset in the body of Christ, and it is time to rebuild in this season. God may call us to build differently than what we once did, um, but build we must. And I want to encourage you to press into the body of Christ and uh, start moving in prayer like never before. That is what I'm focused on for sure. The Lord will lead us, but we must seek him first and hear from his word. Now, I'm quite certain that on the same exact day that I read this, um, I was in my devotions. It was October 15th. Um, if you are reading through the Bible with us, we have this plan on our website where you can read through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in a year. And so reading through that on this schedule on October 15th, I found myself in Nehemiah 13. 
And Nehemiah 13 was talking about rebuilding the wall. And then also on that day, I was in Malachi 1 verse 4, and it jumped out to me. I have it highlighted in my Bible. It says, if Edom says, we are shattered, but we rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may, rebuild, uh, they may rebuild, but I will tear it down. The point being here, if it's being built and it's uh, against the will of the Lord, it's going to be torn down and the things of the Lord will be rebuilt. And so I was just sitting here, I'm like, all right, all right, God, you've got my attention. So this email from Ben and now in devotions, it's all around this, this rebuilding. And so now that he has my attention, I mean, after one thing after another, I, I, I went back. I went back to Nehemiah 13, and I was just reading this a little bit more. It says in Nehemiah 13, 4, now before this, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God and who was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, the tithes of grain, the wine, the oil, which were to be given by the commandment to the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, and the contributions of the priests. So essentially what was happening here was that there was this room to take all of these offerings in and then be to distributed to the, to the people of God. And this room was then vanquished and replaced by a chambers, a housing unit. And um, it says, while this was taking place, as Nehemiah is writing this, I was not in Jerusalem for um, in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked for leave from the king and I came to Jerusalem. And then I discovered the evil that was done, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And so essentially what he does is he recognizing that some things were wrong in the house of God. Some things were not the way that they were supposed to be. And so he comes in and he makes them right. And so God's ways had been replaced with man's ways. And the rebuilding process required getting back to God's ways. And I feel like in part, this is one of the things that we need to be doing in our lives right now. And what we need to be doing as a church right now is going back to those foundations once again and, um, and, and, and holding them before the Lord and saying, is, is this your ways, more of your ways, or is this more of my ways? Or has it been patterned after the ways of this world? You guys recognize that from scripture? Or has it been patterned, patterned after the way of Jesus? God's continuing to call us into this season of rebuilding and just to let you into Ben's world a little bit. So here's the processing that Ben went through um, as, as I was hearing the Lord saying this. I'm like, all right, season of rebuilding. Okay, cool. Sweet. Cool. What else, Lord? It's like, oh, okay. And I, I'm, I'm listening. I'm processing. And uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, Lord. 
I, I, just, I just get a little gangster with the Lord sometimes. I'm like, for sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got you. I got you. And then I'm like, hey, yeah, isn't that cool? Remember when you led me to teach that one series, church? What exactly are we doing here? Yeah, so we did that. We did that already, Lord. You know? So what's next? What are we going to do next? Come on, let me, let me know. And patiently, the father says, hey, Ben, remember when I built the universe and everything in it? Yep. Immediate? Or was it a process? Um, long silence. Process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there, were, there were days. You remember how a plant grows, Ben? Maybe. Immediate or process? Process. Remember when I sent my son to live a perfect life as the example for you? Was that all just immediate one time or was that a process? Process. Remember when my perfect son was beaten and brutally murdered and paid for your sins? Was that a one-time, one-second thing, immediate? Or was it a process? Process. Your sanctification, was that immediate or a process? And that, this is where I'm like, all right, I get the point. I ain't, I ain't even going to answer. I'm not going to answer. I'm just not going to do it. So I get to this point of just being like, saying nothing. And then I get to this point of saying, God, where are you? Why can't I hear your voice? Where are you? Mediator process. Oh, process, process, process. It's a process. And so as I'm asking the Lord about this rebuilding process, I'm like, whoa, haven't we already gone there and done that? And he says, go back. It's a process. It's a process. And just this reminder that you're not there yet. And someone's got to hear this and get some peace and some joy this morning to recognize that you are in a process. And in the process, there's some grace for your face. Just say it. There's some grace for my face. There is grace for you in the process, in your life. It, it looks messy sometimes, and there's, there's grace for you in, in this process. And there's grace for us in this process. And as we continue to grow as a church and what the Lord is doing here, there's grace for the process. And that's what is coming from the Lord's side of things. And it's important that we, as the people of God, who are continuing to build here within this, build up this, this church, that we continue to have grace. And so I'm, I'm calling us to continue to reflect the grace Reflect, reflect the grace that uh, God has for us. And I, I just kept thinking about this rebuilding process, how there's, how there's steps. There's steps within this, this process. And in, in Ben's world, it's one step. Hey, look, I just rebuilt. This is dope. Awesome. Check this out. We're, we're good. When in reality, it's step and we're going to chill here for a little bit. And then we're going to take another step, and we're going to remain here for a little bit. I, I uh, was reminded of the process of, of um, a, a friend of mine has a shop being built. And the process is like digging out and flattening and leveling the area. And then they pour the, the concrete. And then what? They, they got to wait. They got to wait for it to harden. 
And then they build up some more and then they were going to epoxy the floor. And so they had to put all the, the, the material on the floor and then, and then what? They had to wait. They had to wait. It's, it's a process. It's a process. So someone in process this morning, just you need to, you need to recognize that the Lord is, is just bringing a, a peace to let you know that it is all good that you are in the process. It is all good right where you're at but continue to look forward to what Jesus is calling you into. What's fascinating is that that same week, so we had those scriptures in the devotion. We had Ben's email. And that same week, I listened to a message about King Josiah. You guys remember that story about King Josiah? And um, it, it gets to this point in King Josiah's, well, in King Josiah's life that now there's literally no one alive who has walked in the ways of God. The, so to look at an example, it's, you really can't. There, there, is, there is no one alive. And by the way, that's what happens when you don't pass faith down to generations. We have to have a generation mindset. Someone needs that reminder today. We've got to continue to pass the faith down to the generations. But this, this boy king, uh, walks into his, his kingship, and then there's this finding of the book of the law, the, the finding of the ways that God's people are supposed to be living, how, how this all was supposed to be structured. And um, it's this voila type of moment, like this light bulb went, went off. And it says in 2 Kings 22, 11, we, we get to understand a little bit more of, of what takes place when this when the law is found, it says in uh, 2 Kings twenty two eleven, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Achbor the son of Mekiah and Shaphan the secretary and Isaiah's king, uh, king's servant saying, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words that have been found in this book, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. And so there's this genuine repentance when there becomes a recognition that, whoa, this is what this was actually supposed to look like. And now this doesn't look like that. So, I believe God's calling us as a people, us as a church into a Josiah moment where we begin to recognize that what this is and what this looks like is not what it's supposed to look like. And so I want to talk about that for just a few minutes here um, with, regards to, with regards to church. What is, this, what is this supposed to look like? And and how did we get to where we're at? How did we get to this small group of disciples, right? Where Jesus shows up on the scene. He's inviting people saying, follow me. He's showing them the ways to live in the kingdom of God and telling them uh, to go be empowered by the Holy Spirit and then to go make more disciples. How do we get to that point to where we stand right here in hashtag 2020? How did, we, how did we get here? And I want to just look at a little bit of, of history. Uh, you're not going to be able to hold out that book. Hold on. 
I want to bring a little bit of, of history um, in. And so for some of you, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, not more history. Um, and, and you're just going to want to tune out. But I, I encourage you to just listen in, press, press through this if you don't like history. Um, but this is really, really helpful for where the church has been and how we've gotten to where we are right now. I'm essentially going to uh, be recapping a chapter out of this book. And um, it is... Uh, Pagan Christianity. It's written by Frank Viola and George Barna, the same Barna from the Barna Group who does all those studies and, 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 and such. But here's a little bit of this, this history. In the year 35 through 107, there was a dude alive named Ignatius of Antioch. And he, as it pertains to uh, church structure, he took the first steps towards placing an individual in power. Right, an individual person raising up one person above all of the other ones. And uh, Barna and Voila uh, say, we can trace the origin of contemporary hierarchy of, of the church and church leadership back to him. Ignatius was uh, quoted saying, plainly, therefore, we ought to regard the bishop as Lord himself. Right. So you, you're seeing this trajectory, this elevation of leaders, this placing of people onto pedestals all the way back to first century. And then Clement of Rome, who died in 100 AD, he began using specific words in order to differentiate between leader and not. So he began using the word laity for the people of the church so that there was a recognition of them and us. In uh, 160 to 225, Tertullian was the first writer to use the word clergy, again, bringing that definition, that distinction between those who are up here and them who are down here. In the mid-200s, a guy named Cyprian of Carthage, he had a significant following. He began to reinstate some of the Old Testament um, ideas of priests and temples and altars and sacrifices. And we look at the roots of those and those find their roots back in Judaism as well as paganism. And so all of these roots are being brought into what we call the church today. He taught that the bishop had no superior other than God himself, that there was no one over him. He also began to push towards the Catholic idea of transubstantiation where uh, the body of Christ would literally uh, uh, appear as communion because of the power of the priest. The priest had that, that, that power. Again, we're seeing this elevation of, of power. In 325, after the Council of Nicaea, another hierarchical, hierarchical, say that eight times fast, can't do it, you just can't, sorry. Another hierarchical position uh, was created in the church to distribute the Lord's Supper. These became priests. And so uh, during this time, the priests would be giving, um, giving the elements out to the people. And so now we've got two people in, in, in power, lifted up above the others. By uh, 4th century, this hierarchical structure had been cemented, meaning this is the way it is. This is how we do church. And this was just normalized across the lines of, of church. By the end of the fourth century, 
The clergy had all but elevated, been elevated to celebrity status. In other words, they got tremendous privilege because of where they were at, because of who they were. In the Middle Ages, the priest's job description became more religious, while the bishop became more political. The bishop would eventually find its place as bishops, as we would see them today, as well as the pope. The words of the priest at this time continued to, uh, continue to elevate them. And so now, as we talked about that, that pushing towards the transubstantiation and the power that the priest had, now those phrases actually had power when that Peace, uh, when, when the priest would say them, they would say, hoc est corpus meum. I don't know if I said that correctly or not. My Latin's not that great. But the, the belief was that the simple utterance of this by a man of great power and of great statue, stature um, would actually turn these elements um, into the body and the blood of, of Christ. By the 5th century, the concept of the priesthood of believers, in other words, the body of Christ being empowered, that was all but done away with, right? We've got to remember the truth in this, the truth of Scripture when it comes to this part of the body being empowered. And 2 Peter 2.9 says, you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood. We've got to remember our identity Through the 4th and 5th century, the Roman Emperor Constantine ruled, and again, he brought a huge influence on Christianity. Will Durant, an author of a a book called Caesar and Christ, he wrote that Christianity grew by the absorption of pagan faith and ritual. It became a triumphant church by inheriting the organizing patterns and genius of Rome. As Judea had given Christianity ethics, Greece had given it theology, so now Rome gave it organization. All these, with a dozen absorbed and rival faiths, entered into the Christian synthesis. So in essence, we look back at this formation and we see some Old Testament theology, right? Because the Jews in Rome, obviously these first followers of Jesus, they have these roots in Judaism. And so we get a lot of those practices pouring into it. But then what happened in Rome, right? That great dispersion, right? And I think, was it Clement? Um, I believe it was, who kicked all the Jews out. And so now the church is growing, but it's, it's all Gentile, right? The Gentiles are. And so they have these Roman, Greco-Roman ideas and uh, uh, religions and all of this stuff filtering in. And so we're getting this mishmash, crazy, crazy filtering and formation of, of the church. And then the Jews are invited back in and then they're pushing back. And so it's just this disunity, which by the way, is the backdrop of the book of Romans. Again, author Will Durant writes, while Christianity converted the world, the world converted Christianity and displayed the natural paganism of man. So the process, the process continues. The reformers in the 16th century uh, attempted towards flattening this uh, hierarchical power, um, but essentially what they did was they just cut off the bishop and now, um, now it's the pastor. We're going to change the name 
from priest to pastor, which was, uh, I believe it was Luther or Calvin um, in that time period who just preferred, let's just call me, call me a pastor, right? And, uh, and now we have the church as it is today, forming what it is. And as we look at the church today, here's, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing. I recognize that in, in the pulpit, in the helm, at the focus of a Sunday morning service is this, is this message. And so it has become weird where we show up to church and maybe a full message and a full breakdown of, of scripture isn't showed like we're used to. And so when we have what we would call like a prophetic service or a spirit-led service, we're like, whoa, this is, this is really strange. This is really weird. Or, I mean, we can be okay with it and be like, oh, that was so awesome. We had one of those days. I, I just wonder, what's normal supposed to be like? Where did we get, who told you that was normal, right? Who told you that? Where'd you get that idea? Where did you, where did you get that? In fact, that, this, this whole model was actually uh, developed as, as a thing of, of power. From, we go back all the way from, from Calvin, and, and, and they would look at, uh, they would have these rules that would say, well, you have to be a properly trained person in order to share the word of God. And actually to the point where you have to be a properly trained and ordained person uh, in order to even read the scriptures aloud. Right. We've, we've moved a little bit from this, but this whole concept of what churches looks like, the order of service and all of that comes from, from this, which is all formed from Old Testament theology and pagan theology. We okay? <laughs> oh, that's heavy. So, I think this, honestly, this is the beginning of a conversation. This is, uh, it also helps us to understand like what's happening as we look through what God is doing here in our church, as we're seeing more and more prophetic services, as we're, as we're uh, seeing more and more spirit-led time, as we're seeing people rise up to share words, as we're seeing people being healed, as we're seeing all of the, like this real stuff happening. This will help bring an understanding to all of that. And it also helps to bring a vision for where we're going, right? What, what God is doing. We've, we've put church into a little box. And right in that little box, we've, we've placed another box and said, well, God lives in that, that box so you've got boxes within boxes within boxes. And we say, God, this is all the space that you get. God's saying, give me the space back. Give me the space back. God wants to bring transformation to this world. And sometimes we minimize them to a little seat. We, I mean, we should have called this message like, get God off the cushion. Come on. Get him off the cushion. Come on, that's good. Someone write that down for me. It must be prophetic. 
So real quickly, I just want to hit some verses in terms of um, expectations for me and what I do. What, what are expectations for me? Because this is something that I've really wrestled through in this season. What are, the, what are the actual expectations that people have on me? Are those expectations biblical and correct? Am I assuming some of those expectations? Are those assumptions correct, biblical? What, what are they? So I want to look at just a few, a few verses here. And I want to honor your time. So I'm going to take about seven more minutes. That'll take us about five minutes past. Expectations. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. It says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's the encouragement. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not in compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. I got to really, really pressing in and just wondering, what is that word shepherding? Right, because that's, that's a big word here. That's a critical word here within this text. What is that word? It's the Greek word poimano, poimano. And the definitions of it are tend to the talk, uh, tend to the talk. That, that's like a, it's a new app, tend to the talk. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be the best app ever. Tend to the flock, rule or govern. I like this one to lead to pasture and make sure they are fed. That's really helpful for me because what I've grown up under in terms of church leadership has been, when we look at the fivefold ministry, has been those, those teachers. And I think God used this season. God used this past season to build a church of the people of God who would know the word of God. We need our teachers but sometimes things can become idols. And sometimes the things that God has called to be a focus in one season, he's also called you to continue to rebuild. To continue, we're called to function within the fivefold gifts in Ephesians chapter four. This is how, how we're called to function. And so as, as I have seen around me that, almost like the only example around me has been these teachers teachers at the helm. And then there's some other people that don't have a lot of face time, but it's just the, the one, one guy, one, one person, right? That's, that's it. And I've been struggling because I'm like, I, when I try and do that, it doesn't work out well for me. When I try and do that, I feel overwhelmed. When I try and do and God's just saying, because I haven't called you to function like this. This is not how the church is supposed to function. Read your Bible. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
And so responsibility for me, make sure they are fed. What does this look like for me? That means that I make sure and identify who are the evangelists, who are the prophets, who are those apostles, who are those teachers, and let's make sure they have a place to communicate and share with people and make sure that the people of God are being fed, but it doesn't have to be all revolving around me. Acts 20, verse 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he ordained with his own blood to care for. Again, that's that same word, that same Greek word there, poimano. We also see other aspects of within scripture. You can just jot these down in Titus, in 2 Timothy 4, um, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, talking about there is importance in as a shepherd teaching, a shepherd leading. But I think the focus of this season is, uh, and the focus of this morning even, is help us recognize where we're going. When we're seeing all the different faces up here, when we're having the different voices come up and share, when we're having freer services, when it feels like we have stepped outside of the box, it's because we have. It's because we are. Because we're tearing some things down and we are rebuilding some things. And the way that we're doing it is by having this Josiah moment. This moment of recognizing this isn't what it should look like in the Bible. What, why are we not seeing like healing break out like crazy? Why are we not? Maybe we're not seeing the power of God on display as much because we're not actually doing what we're supposed to be doing in a biblical way. And so as I continue to believe that the Lord has said, there will be revival breakout here in our region. Where there will, when I speak of revival, I'm saying there will be mass numbers that are unprecedented, amounts of people coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ, living a transformed life, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? I believe that is going to take place, but we have to address the way that we are functioning and ensure that it is biblical. And we have to have grace for the season. Have to have grace for the season. Would you guys stand, Lori? Would you come? I heard the Lord say, you don't need the ways of man when you have the word of God. I think for some of us, there's a real emphasis on that because what this means is that we've got to know the word of God. We, we've got to know our Bibles. I've painted this vision before, but what we have here, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm not looking to, to do like a, a, a flip on a house in a couple weekends. I'm looking at building something where I'm gonna get to watch our kids up here. And we have to recognize that that's gonna, 
it's gonna be a process and it's it's gonna take time. And if we are going to disciple others, because what I, what I see in here, what I see within our, our church as it is currently is, is the leadership for tomorrow. Whether tomorrow is 30 seconds from now when we leave out the building. Now I just put a time frame on what I gotta say, so I gotta speak really fast. Or, or it's you know down the road. We gotta know our word so that we can lead others through the word. So Father, I pray, I pray this morning, bring us fresh shape. God, I pray, I pray over your church. I pray over your people. And I ask God for a genuine hunger for your word. I just pray that at whatever level it is right now, that they would leave here with an increase that they would just wake up in the morning saying, oh, I, I've, I, my bones are burning. I've, I've got to get the word of God. I, I've got to get it. I've got to get it. got to get it. got to get it. And that before we go to sleep, and that it, it, would, it would just be this, this normal hunger, that again, it would be like a step upward, and we would remain on that step, and we would just see hunger increase from here. God, I believe that what I've shared today, you've placed on my heart because it's your heart. And so I pray over your church, God. Bring us back to the right place. Bring us back to your ways. God, we repent for even following blindly or giving into power structures. God, we repent. Would you show us, show us the steps that we need to take? Repentance is real clear. We, we, we say, we're, we recognize there's a flaw and now we come wholeheartedly before you have it, God. But we ask for your wisdom in this, Lord. We ask for your wisdom in this. Show us how to move forward. Show us what to do. Give us patience and grace along the way. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you. So go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.